Welcome back to the Afros and Knives podcast, an interview series that elevates the profiles and stories of Black women working in food and beverage, hospitality, food justice, and food media. I am your host, Tiffany Rosier, and this is the season two finale. My conversation is with chef, travel guru, and fellow South Jersey girl, Kalisa Marie Martin. Kalisa has roots in both the U.S. and Jamaica, is a classically trained chef with degrees in both food science and culinary arts, and has built an extensive career in food media. She left her role as brand director at digital food publication Tasting Table and launched the popular lifestyle travel company, The Runaway. Her current YouTube channel, Kalisa Marie Eats, is a fun, romantic, and travel-inspired food and beverage series, and you should absolutely go and subscribe. She is launching a new series in the coming weeks called Food Sci Fridays. It will draw on her background in food science and will explore the science behind why food does what it does with fun info and simple recipes to illustrate the facts. Be sure to follow her work on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks to the Chef's Advocate for supporting this episode of the Afros and Knives podcast. Thank you to the thank you to the thank you to the Chef's Advocate for supporting this episode of the Afros and Knives podcast. The Chef's Advocate is a boutique consulting agency representing a global cross-section of professionals in the culinary industry. They continue to make a positive impact on their clients and the lives of the many people working in the industry. Follow the Chef's Advocate on Instagram and be sure to join their new Instagram series, Kitchen Talk Live with host Annette Davidson. Also a shout out to the Afros and Knives patrons for your constant support. None of this would be possible without you. To become a patron, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash afros and knives. If you're loving this podcast, be sure to follow, subscribe, share, and comment. Now let's get into this conversation. Hello, my name is Kalisa Marie Martin, and I've basically been obsessed with food my entire life. I've dedicated my educational background, my professional life to learning about food, sharing food experiences, and just sharing information. And so I guess I started really young. I studied a lot of food education growing up. And then for my undergrad, I studied food science and nutrition, and then went to culinary school after that because I was set on creating a career in this industry, even if it meant making it up for myself. And so I got a lot of really great experience in New York working in different industries from food tourism to food journalism to food retail. And I ended up working at Tasting Table kind of in the early days of that company. I was there for about four and a half years and I worked in various departments, worked my way up there. Ended up being on the business side of things. And so I knew after several years running operations that I actually wanted to create my own thing and focus more on my passion for food directly. And that took me into the travel and food space where I worked for about five years, which was incredible, touring, hosting guests, partnering with folks and eating lots of incredible food. And now most recently, I've gotten into food content production and recipe development and kind of working with brands to bring their different marketing visions to life. And I have a couple of fun food projects of my own that I'm excited to get going this year as well. So that's kind of a quick bio version of who I am, what I'm doing. Now, I know from our previous interactions with each other that you have some connections 
to South Jersey that we should just go ahead and get out the oh, way. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I am very proud to be from New Jersey. When people would say it's like the armpit of America, I'm like, who made that up? Who I said that? that. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. Like, you have obviously never been to like South Jersey. Right, like, how, right. It's no one's armpit, man. It's nothing but like a bar of Irish Spring down there. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I was born in Philadelphia, but raised and lived most of my life before going away to college in South Jersey. I love it. I was in Philadelphia for a while. So the Northeast is like, I'd say where I'm from, but both of my parents are Jamaican. So I have roots in the Caribbean and consider Jamaica my second home also. Oh, gotcha. Do you get to Jamaica pretty frequently? I used to. I lived there for about two years, running a B&B out of my family's house there, which was awesome. I also got my citizenship and my passport during that time. So I'm technically a Jamaican national, which is fun because, you know, when you get to the airport, they say, welcome home. And it always sounds so nice. (laughs) But yeah, I haven't been in 2020 so far, you know, just with everything happening. I'm hoping as things get a little safer to travel and whatnot, that I'll definitely be making my way there. Oh, great, 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 great. I'm good. Because I was just like, I think people are ready to like kind of not necessarily go on vacation, but like ready to be out of like where they are. Right. I know what it's like to have to like be in one spot for too long. And you're just like, okay, I'm itching yeah. to get out of here. I don't know what's yeah. happening. <laughs> as far as your food aesthetic and like how, mm-hmm. you, how you think about recipes or think through recipes, how have you been able to like merge your kind of your Northwestern side with your Jamaican side? Like where do you find that those two places meet in, when you think about food? Yeah, you know, I really think for me, I love Jamaican food. I love Jamaican flavors. It's what I grew up eating. Holidays, we would always have Jamaican food. Like we never really, like we kind of had the turkey and the ham and all that stuff, but it was really curry goat, jerk chicken, rice and peas. Those were our staples. So I think that will always be the foundation of food for me. It's really interesting because when I went to culinary school and I didn't think about it at the time, but I studied quote unquote classic culinary arts. And I know you talk about slides and listening to, of course, your podcast episodes. And it's interesting how people get to decide what is classic and what is not. And so when I went to culinary school, I was, I was learning French techniques and somehow that had been decided as classic. So I think If anything, my food aesthetic is like a combination of understanding Jamaican flavors, but maybe applying different techniques and using ingredients that I have access to where I am and during the season that I'm currently living. So it's kind of bringing it to the current moment and place that I am. Oh, nice. Nice. It's so funny that it's always transpired that way. It's like, okay, so French technique has became the default Almost like right. no one else in the rest of the world was cooking at that point. So it didn't matter. Right. It's like, okay, so what were we doing? How were we able to feed ourselves if we didn't have these techniques? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm just like, right, 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 right. Now, I know you, like, I followed a lot of your, like, YouTube content and video content, which is what, like, oh, first introduced me to you. I was just like, who is this person? I think a big part of it, I was doing a preview for this idea I've been working on. And I pulled some of your content to, like, just showcase on, like, a platform platform that I was working oh, on. Nice. And I was just like, cause I was looking through YouTube and I'm like, someone has got to be doing like some really like dynamic, beautiful work. And I think that was the biggest thing is just like the quality of it was like, I knew the content was great, but it was like the quality, the execution of it was what really caught me. I was like, okay, it looks like it's well-planned. It looks like she actually has like a beginning, middle and end. There's like an actual, like, it seems like there's maybe some storyboarding happening here. Yeah. It was just like, all of that made me really happy. Cause I think a lot of times 
what happens with our content is because like YouTube is so democratic and you don't necessarily have to have all this high mm-hmm. content and stuff. They just want to get their expression of their life onto the screen. And I'm like that. I'm mm-hmm. all for that. I think there comes a point where we do have to kind of like take it up a notch and elevate like our execution of it in order to really mm-hmm. touch more people with the message. Because if you're distracted by pixelated screens and weird audio and everything else, it gets right. really hard to like be for people to be clear about what who you are and what you're saying. So to mm-hmm. that point, how did you get into like just YouTubing in general and vlogging about food specifically? Like I've definitely been tapped into your like your travel content, but I think food was kind of where my where I lit up a little bit watching what you were doing. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, she's specific about cooking. <laughs> Oh, Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's funny actually because I always knew that I wanted to create video content. And, you know, I love making recipes and I love writing blog posts and articles and things like that. But for me, I'm a really visual person. So I've always been really interested in getting into video content production. But the way these first set of videos came about was pretty funny, actually. So I was traveling for my travel company and we had a layover in Portugal. And that ended up being a week long layover because it was a storm, I think in it was like a hurricane in 2017 or something like that in March. And so no planes were flying out. So what started out as an overnight layover turned into a week long like trip. Thank goodness I had travel insurance. That is like my number one tip for anybody traveling anywhere. Like definitely get travel insurance. Anyway, so since we were there for a week, I was looking on Airbnb experiences and I saw, this is like a roundabout answer by the way, but I'm going to get to the point. I was looking on Airbnb experiences and there was one of like tour this local like Lisbon food market and go back to a Lisbon content studio and like cook lunch with random people. And I was like, Oh, that sounds fun. Like I love to, I love shopping in different countries, like food shopping and um, seeing what their markets are like. So this sounds fun. And basically in that studio, I met with a production team and I was like, wow, you guys shoot videos here. Like this is pretty cool. And then I got a look at some of their work and then ended up partnering with them on creating some videos. So basically I flew back just a few months later with some recipes that I wanted to shoot with storyboard and all that stuff planned out and their videographers and editors shot it for me. And so that was like my first taste of video production. Then I ended up doing it again in Philadelphia and working with some of those same people to edit the footage and come up with the concept. So it's been really fun. I think for me, I really like to really think it through all the way, kind of like you said, the beginning, the middle of the end, make sure it has a fun story, make sure that I'm thinking through the shots because I know the types of food videos I like to watch. And so that's what I'm trying to create. So it's been a really fun adventure kind of figuring it out. But the way it first started was just like super happenstance, like literally a layover meeting a random production company and kind of getting things started that way. Wow. 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 And it's nice that like your first experience was like with a professional like group in opposed to, right. like, Oh, I'm sitting at home and I want people to see like my rice recipe. And so I'm going to turn right. on my iPhone. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, while you're thinking that through, I would love to hear more like wh- your process for essentially storyboarding and like what your approach is to the, like the creative process. Cause like the current videos I've seen 
are the ones that you really focus on like drinks and, mm-hmm. and I'm like a huge fan of that because it's not something that's typically covered in food media yeah. as much as I'd like to see it I had like aspirations of starting like a food truck that really only served hot beverages so you could come get like hot tea I'm still thinking about that it seems like a really quick way to like get something going a really cute card you can just have a couple of bistro tables that you fold out and you can come get like hot chocolate in the winter and you can get Co- oh like really, really great coffee and tea as well. And so, yeah, that was just a, like something I was really interested in. And that came from the fact that I'm like, no one ever talked about beverages. Like, what are we drinking? Like, how, right. are, we, you know, how are we engaged around that conversation? But like your process for just creating a single video, walk me mm-hmm. through that because I know it's something... While it seems like minutia to people who might not be interested, I know like most of the folks I chat with are like, I really want to like try to vlog about food and like what I love and like maybe my recipes. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's like a learning curve there, a lot of trial and error. And so like, what have you learned in the process, specifically working with like a professional group of folks who've been doing it at such a high level? And it's just like, okay, so like, what's the difference between had you done this on your own versus like... Have mm-hmm. you worked with a professional crew? Like, what did you learn? Like, what gaps did they fill in for you? Well, I would say they definitely have filled in some gaps. And even now, like, I'm shooting some video, like, on my own, but still sending it to a couple of my friends that I met from them. Shout out to Marie and Bibiana. They are the ones that really helped me editing the videos. Well, first of all, I would say know what your strengths are because... For me, like I'm still learning how to use different types of cameras and things like that. But in the meantime, I know that I can outsource that. And so I think a lot of times when people are creating content, they think they have to do everything on their own. And that's definitely the most cost effective way to do it. But if you have relationships with people who like that is what they do for a living, like definitely link up with folks because like you said, you can learn from them. You can provide each other business. That's my first tip. Don't try and do everything yourself if you don't have to. But in terms of storyboarding, I think for me, it all comes down to like the initial concept. Like I don't really usually think about it like one video at a time. I think about like, okay, if this is a series of five videos or 10 videos, what is the overall theme? And then I really like make a template. My background is in operations and project management, different executions like that. So I'm all about templatizing everything. So once I figure out the concept for a specific set of videos, then I think about, okay, what is the story I want to tell? Like, what is the flow of the video? Like, how are we opening? How do we lead into the recipe, the flow of the specific shots that I want to show? And then how do we wrap things up at the end? And then once I figure that out for that specific concept, then it's just a matter of duplicating that for every episode, of course, sliding in the specific details for the recipe or the cocktail that I'm shooting at a time. But for me, it's just all about staying organized. That way you don't have to recreate the wheel every single time. You're just working off a formula that you know will tackle all the points and get everything you want across messaged. Gotcha. Now, do you think you have a, from like evaluating like your previous work and then like thinking about future work, do you believe you have like a kind of like a signature style? Is there something pointing out that you should play to your strengths and like not do everything yourself? Because I absolutely doing the podcast have started that way, like literally Mm -hmm. (laughs) doing everything myself. So I'm exhausted most of the time. So yeah, Yeah. like learning how to edit audio was like a huge part of that. And it was just like, okay, I have to find a really great program and then figure out what all of this means. And I had a little bit of 
of experience working with like a lot of studio musicians and like my brother Mm -hmm. he studied audio production in college and so he does a lot of that himself and so like I've had a lot of resources to like talk me through a couple of things but for the most part you're just kind of out there on an island trying to figure out a technology Mm -hmm. you have no idea about so yeah so Mm -hmm. for me I had to figure out the easier part was trying to figure out, okay, what's my like interview style and what right. are my strengths in like the interpersonal side of that? Looking back on like video and like reevaluating your work, have you noticed like a trend, how you deliver information? Do you have, like I said, a specific style that you're leaning into a little bit more or are there things that you're still kind of like tweaking? Like I want to be more energetic on screen or something like that. How are yeah. you evaluating your work in the actual, on the user side or the, yeah, yeah go ahead. I was like, I don't know what we're looking for. Yeah, no, 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 I get it. That's a really good question. I think for me, I know I'm best like with people. So when I first started shooting videos, like my very first set of content that I put out, it was really hard for me because I was just talking to the camera and they would tell me like, don't look at the person holding the camera, look at the camera. And I'm just like, I'm so used to talking to people and engaging with people, kind of bouncing off of that energy that it was hard for me to just like, talk to myself. So I'm finding that there's ways for me to incorporate my strength and kind of my comfort level and being conversational, even if I'm the only person in the room. So that's something that I'm working on because I know that script is great, but I'm just comes off way better, way more natural if I'm just having a conversation with someone. So I'm working on making that happen, even if there's not an actual person (laughs) that I'm talking to. And I'm so good at talking to myself. And you would think like being on camera might translate, but it doesn't. I tell people that particular habit of talking to oneself does not translate on screen. You just look crazy at that point. So I'm just like, okay. And it's definitely as far as audio components, like getting over that kind of challenge that most people have. We're like, I don't like the sound of my own voice. You're just like, I'm sorry. Right. You just have to like chalk that up to like go of that business because this is what you sound like. That's all there is to it. Right. Um, Deal with it. Like, okay, I guess this is where we're li- this we're gonna live with this now. And <laughs> I think you do eventually get used to it, like seeing yourself as well as hearing yourself in audio yeah. and on like on screen. Is there anyone you are watching right now that you're really getting a lot of inspiration from that you might that you're pulling like Hey, you know what? When it's time to get back out in the world again, I want to use some of the stuff they're doing or use some of their, I'm inspired by what they do. And I want to incorporate some of the, like stylistically, some of the stuff that they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the content that I'm excited to create, like, and what I've always been excited about is not just recipes. Like, of course, I love recipes. I love being in the kitchen, but my love for food goes beyond the normal categories people think. Like, you know, people always think cooking and nutrition and dining out. But to me, food is also political. It's understanding agriculture. It's science. It's art. It's like so many other things. And so I'm excited to create content, like you said, out in the world that covers some of those topics. And um, in terms of what I'm watching now, I actually just started watching the, you know, Padma's new show on Hulu, Taste the Nation. And it's so funny because I remember when, Trump was first elected and like the inauguration happened. I was actually in Cuba at the time. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, because being in another country when all of that was happening and like being an American person, people were coming up to us, like asking us what's happening in your country, like expecting us to answer to that. 
And so I was thinking in that moment, like, wow, the reflection on us now is becoming a different thing. And so I was thinking we really need to put out material to show people, like show ourselves and show the world that like America is not just what you see in the news. Like it's not Trump, like it's not all these other things. And so I was reading an article on Padma and on Taste the Nation, and it actually kind of starts out that way where she was there at election night in New York, like expecting it to go one way. And obviously it went a different way. And that was kind of the beginning of, I'm not going to say this is why she is doing the show right now, but I think we were all kind of thinking the same thing, right? Like we need to show that America is made up of all different types of people from all different backgrounds. And like, that is really the true America. So I'm excited to watch that show. I've only seen one episode so far, but it seems really good. Have you watched any of it? I haven't watched it just yet. Like I'm waiting for like two episodes. I like to binge and I also like to see like how things progress because like the pilot episodes or pilot seasons of most things are always so different than like, mm-hmm. even the second episode. So I always like to watch like the right. first two back to back to kind of see like what has yeah. evolved and what's changed over time, especially mm-hmm. when it's like, of course, pre-recorded and already taped and they're throwing them up one at a time. Right. But Padma's been really active on like social media and doing a lot of interviewing and right. stuff around the show and so I've been watching that as well and just waiting to see mm-hmm. like okay I'm going to like consume all of that and then watch the show and see like you right. know, how things add up and just, like stack up because I've definitely read some of the feedback and it's just mixed it's just really people like yeah tell me what you read I just started and so far I'm excited at the potential of it but I haven't made up my mind because I haven't seen much of it right well there's two schools of thought around it for the most part people are receiving it really well they're just like I like the recipes I like her ability to like connect with people and be very respectful in their space at the Mm -hmm. same time there's still like this idea that people are kind of critiquing this the circumstances in which there's commentary about. So those trigger words mm. like war zone and people being able to overcome certain conditions in order to get a meal to their families. And it's just kind of like mm. we're almost still focusing on the things that got us into trouble in food media to begin with. It's just that mm-hmm. now you have a different approach to it. It doesn't present the same, but I think you end up having the same results. I mean, for me, like the person that really nailed it in food media, like the way we wanted to talk about food and talk about people was Anthony Bourdain. Like his ability yeah. to really be absolutely humble in all circumstances mm-hmm. to the point where you could tell he was yeah. super receptive to whatever was going on and like really willing to right. not in spite of the situation, but because of it, it was like, okay, well, this right. is just a different way to live, a different dynamic, a different space to exist in. And I'm asking permission to be here. And it's not that I should right. be here. So I think he just had this really beautiful ability to be like self-deprecating and not to like that annoying point, but just enough to right, right, right. I know I'm in someone else's house. And so they, deserve my respect and my humility if I'm going to be here and occupy this space. So yeah, I just think no one's really replaced his voice yet. I just, I'm looking forward to that day because I feel like someone is out there like doing that kind of work right now because he Mm -hmm. he obviously isn't the only one thinking about food in the way he did, but I think he's the one who had a platform and I think he used it beautifully. He let you make up your own mind too. He didn't really tell you how to feel about it. 
I'm just like, yeah, in that respect, that was nice because he left you open to your own interpretation of events and you, right. yeah, it just wasn't like, he didn't come in at it with a, this is how you're supposed to feel at the end of this episode. He's just like, no, I'm just here. Right. <laughs> There's no like moral to the story. Right. It's more like documentary style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because he left that. That's it, so true. It was one of those, oh, this is life. And so there is no real wrap up. It was just like, this is some right. life. This, I got to be in it for one day and that's what this looks like. And so, so yeah. I think with the comparison people are making between like Anthony Bourdain and this new show, I think I'm like, oh, wow, this could be really great. But I think to your point, I haven't seen enough of it to know. I barely even, I watched like half of the first episode, but I'm like hoping, but I think you're right. Nothing can replace the way that he shot it and the way that he like you said left it up to our own interpretation because it is just like like it's observation it's not for anybody to have commentary on or judgment or whatever on right right And, and people forget like they those episodes that were really pivotal i mean he had been doing tele- mm-hmm. food television for a while in that same style and so that final mm-hmm. like parts unknown was like that last offering but the up until then he was doing i, I think my favorite was the the layover show and i mean you mm-hmm. had 36 hours i think 48 or 36 hours to yeah. like get in get out and like really have some type of meaningful experience so i think all those versions of each show kind of led up to that final offering that we got from him. And like, I think being on CNN, which I'll use the term loosely, a news channel, (laughs) (laughs) loosely, Um, I think it's more commentary, not necessarily news, but the fact that he was on a station like that, I think uh, most of his work had a journalistic quality as well. So he was really kind of reporting Mm -hmm. the world as it was and not as he wished it was. And so that I think made for some really beautiful television. My next question is around those big failing moments where you kind of go, ooh, okay, Mm -hmm. we won't be doing that again. (laughs) And and more in the, like, the execution of your content. Did you find that, like, there was certain processes that were like, ooh, nope, absolute fail. We cannot do it that way again. What changes did you make to kind of overcome those? Because I think a lot of people do a lot of trial by fire when they're shooting. And they can't see their way clear to a solution. So they just kind of keep repeating the same thing, hoping that it eventually works out. Yeah, I would say one thing that happened I would definitely do differently is I shot 25 videos in like, I don't know, very, how long was it? In like a few weeks, like every day we were just shooting a video. And that I would say was the craziest thing. And I think a lot of times too, because of the production quality that we were aiming for, you know, we had a tight timeline and everything needed to be done during a certain time. And so it was just a matter of like, just push through, get it done. And even though that's definitely the case sometimes, I think that obviously there's like a cost of production. A lot of times the way that we're able to underwrite the cost is through brand partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that what I've learned so far is that as the the kind of creator, we actually have more like power in negotiation and like power to kind of control the timeline of things. And especially, you know, being in the space with a lot of like incredible other like black women doing this and like watching their example has given me the confidence to say, Hey, you know what partner, like actually this timeline would be better for me. And actually this is what I want to do. And actually this is how I want to go about it. And just, I think in the beginning I was more going along with the flow just being like, oh, I'm just so grateful to be here, you know? But really, I think that we have more power to really determine the types of things we want to create and how we want to create them. And so 
entering this new season of things, I'm definitely taking that approach. Nice. It's funny. I was talking to, I was like debriefing with my sister yesterday and I've done the same thing. I've like literally booked like 20 some odd interviews in two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we won't do this again. <laughs> well, I feel like you have to. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and while I absolutely like love talking to each person. You understand like the production of something is such a yeah. part of it that just the content itself is like maybe a 20% of the process. And so once that's done, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, now everything's into planning some more editing some more getting it released doing the promo for it even and just like getting it in front Mm -hmm. of people and what I was telling her yesterday is like the thing I've noticed over the last year and a half of doing the podcast is that with for black women specifically we have rarely gotten an opportunity to speak about ourselves in a way Mm -hmm. that is powerful and positive. Some interviews I've had have been like really simple and easy. And those are usually the folks who are spending a lot of time in media, talking to media, having Mm -hmm. a lot of conversations about their work and about themselves. So they have a lot of practice where I have other ones that are a bit, they're more challenged at it. And it's not so much that they aren't Mm -hmm. articulate. It's not like they're at a loss for words and don't know what they want to say. It's more about the lack of practice. And it's just like you're not practiced right. in this art of talking about yourself. So even down to mm-hmm. requesting a bio from someone, if it doesn't exist already, and if like they don't have a PR person or a friend who's willing to like write something up really briefly, it's hard for them. It's just yeah. really hard to pull off. And they're just like, I don't like talking about myself. And I'm like, and it's so funny because everyone else in the world has permission to talk about themselves. Everyone loves right. talking about themselves. It's almost a running joke sure. in society that you can sit down on a first yeah. date and someone will absolutely commandeer the conversation talking about themselves. <laughs> so this idea that the more and more Black women I talk to, the small percentage are very confident about like being in their own skin, being proud of their life, being proud of their work to a point of vocalizing mm-hmm. where I think a mm-hmm. lot of us are not encouraged. Like most of the time, it's like that idea of you're too intimidating, your energy's too big, you're too loud, there's too much. So everything's like, you guys are just entirely overwhelming as human beings and we can't manage anything extra from you. So like, please don't talk about it. Right. So I love the fact that you watching you on camera, you just seem to sit in your own skin really, really beautifully. So you don't Aww. apologize for your existence. If the Afro was out that day, it's out and you're just going to have to deal with it. I'm a big fan of the pro. Um, so for me, that's where I just kind of go, thank you, because it's like, I know that it's a work, it's constantly a work in progress to feel really good enough in your work and in yourself to like always be able to vocalize it graciously, but powerfully because like most people think it's arrogance and I'm like you have to balance the two you have to speak right. in a place of like I understand there's a lot more to do and a lot more places to grow but my work stands for itself and I've worked really hard and I produced something I think of value to the world and I'm okay with saying that out loud so you know like mm-hmm. congratulations and thank you for being such an example yeah. just like speaking confidently about your work and about yourself and kind of like standing in your own greatness without it fe- appearing oh. to be like overshadowing or hard because you know some people you see them out in the world and you're just like okay so carrying the weight of your own greatness looks like a burden and I don't want that right. for people I want you to enjoy like being you and 
producing your work and being proud of the work you produce. So thank you for doing that. I always tell people like when they were looking for something new to watch, I'm always like, okay, so this is the channel you need to go look at. And I am not only excited okay. about the work that the content and like the recipes and what she's putting out. I just, I love the vibe. I love the energy behind it. I might be biased, but I attribute it to locale. I feel like women from like <laughs> Jersey, specifically South Jersey, <laughs> kind of have this vibe. We're, we're a little laid back, but we're like passionate. And I don't know if it's because like we grew up around a lot of Italians and it was like, it's like most of my friends growing up were either Jewish or Italian. And I'm just like, that made sense because the demographic of like where I grew up and the neighborhood I grew up in, my immediate next door neighbors were one was from the Bahamas and the other, I had two best friends from Jamaica. And so we spent a lot of time at their house. And so like I grew up around just a lot of this really amazing black women energy. And so I just feel like, mm-hmm. and again, like, you know, me and my sister talk about it a lot because she ended up going to graduating from like Hollingswood High School. And I went to high school in Pensacola. And most people are like, I don't even mm-hmm. know what words you're saying to me right now. But people from South Jersey <laughs> absolutely know what I'm talking about. And yeah, of course. <laughs> but we, she, you know, we talk a lot about how there's a very unique blend in those areas. And so mm-hmm. our personalities tend to be, we will stand our ground about something like we have really hardcore boundaries about certain things, but we're also like very easygoing. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. kind of like that Southern farmer vibe because like South Jersey has like a right. ton of dairy farms and stuff. So we still have a lot of that yeah. like kind of almost country flow, but we are so close mm-hmm. to Philadelphia and proximity that we have a little bit of like that urban edge to us. So yeah, I just feel like, yeah. you know, so you've managed to to pull both of those off. It looks, it looks good. It feels good. It feels like hope. Feels familiar. So oh, thank you. And <laughs> I mean, I will say I can't even take credit. Like, oh, I'm just so natural on camera. I will say I've had like a lot of practice, just like talking for a living, even before this. In mm. college, my campus job was a tour guide, so I literally would like talk all day long to groups of prospective students and families, walking backwards, like shouting at the top of my lungs, and even in. New New York City, I was a walking food tour guide, like literally, again, walking backwards through the city, like bringing people to different restaurants and different like eateries. So talking and being loud is like something that I've been been a work in progress for actually, even since high school, I was a tour guide in, in high school too. So I think I'm naturally loud, which helps. And then just like practicing talking to strangers all day long has, has kind of helped the on-camera vibe, I think. Oh, well, I mean, it works. It's all working. <laughs> now, I love the content you produced around like almost walking tours of Philadelphia, where you kind of pulled on all of that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. experience you had being a tour guide. It kind of, it definitely paid off there. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia is one of those cities that people underestimate all the time. I'm just like, when people are like, I don't know where to go for vacation. I don't want to go back to New York. I've been there a few times. Where do I go? I'm like, go to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You're like, Philadelphia, why? Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm so oh, disappointed. You. <laughs> you should go. And without fail, every time someone will go and they will be there for a week or so. And then I will hear from them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I had such a great time. I'm like, I know. I don't know why you doubted me to begin with. I just, Fairmount Park is right. fantastic. It's like three times bigger than mm-hmm. Central Park. There's just a ton of things to do and like little culture, subcultures to get involved with. And the thing I love the most about what you produced is that, and it's the thing I'm missing in food media overall right now is there's no sense of, there was a sense of romance about what you did. 
And I feel like that's what, again, what I'm missing in, because we're talking about a lot of heavy issues right now, like food activism and food food justice, as well as what we're talking about cuisine wise. Like we're talking about what people would consider exotic. And I'm just like, well, that's because you've never really eaten anywhere. But Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm like if Olive Garden is not Italian food, y'all. So let that go. But <laughs> the idea that people are now introduced to new cuisines and it seems like it's a little trepidatious for them because they're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Is it going to be too spicy, too salty, too seasoned, too whatever? And there's no romance around that. And I'm like, and again, I have to bring up Anthony Bourdain. Like he had this yeah. romance about what he was doing. It was really beautiful. And for, I told him like, when I say romance, I mean, in like the artistic sense, not oh, yeah. other, <laughs> just to clarify anyone who's listening, um, in the very artistic sense of the word. When I watch food television, what I want to see a lot of times is like beauty And it's Mm -hmm. another thing that we don't attribute to Black culture either. Like when we produce video or audio or like any type of visual, it's rare that you describe our work as beautiful, unless you're Black, unless you understand what you're looking Mm -hmm. at. But the general discourse, like we don't really have that vocabulary around what we do and what we put out in the world. And there's so much of it, though. Like when you watch a lot of footage, there's a handful of times you do hear that description. It's usually like in a tour video or a travel video and someone's traveled to Ghana for the first time and they've done this like drone shot and they want mm-hmm. people to go visit. And so the Department of Tourism has told you, like, it's a beautiful place to come. And just, it's there, but it's not, people, I think that deeper meaning of beauty in the world is not really attributed to what we produce. And those videos around Philadelphia, I think, like, that was the thing that struck me because I've watched them a few times and I'm not going to lie. I've watched them a couple of times because I was like, <laughs> I've lived there. I've been to all of those places myself, but yeah. like to be able to watch them through a camera lens and someone really being meticulous and mindful of how it was shot and what it looked like. You really did some like serious visual storytelling there. And if you weren't at least curious about the gardens when you came away from that or like mm-hmm. just the, the urban farms when you walked away from those conversations like if you weren't at least curious about those you might be a little dead inside because there's you know like one of my favorite, you know i'm like one of my favorite things about philadelphia is the urban garden uh culture at this point like I, we tried to build out an urban garden in north philly right out right near temple university there was a vacant lot. Mm-hmm. so many parts of philadelphia and yeah. i was there working and i kept walking past this lot every single day and it was across the street from an elementary school. And I hated the fact that these kids have to come out at lunch, at recess, and look at this lot. I just felt like they deserved better. And it was right on like Susquehanna and 17th, I want to say. And mm-hmm. I eventually was like, oh, we're, we're going to do a lot cleanup. And so we like did this big lot cleanup and we partnered with like Jimmy oh, John's cool. and did sandwiches. And then the real fight came with like city council to try to like get the land mm. and turn it over. And so we got in cahoots with the Horticultural Society and another kid who had been like working on the same thing. And I have no idea. They kept stopping it for a number of reasons. And the big one was like, well, I don't want you to date her, but it's like, it's one of those odd things where a guy kind of puts you on hold when you're dating. And you're just like, well, I don't want you to date anyone else. Mm-hmm. I don't want to date you either. And it was All the right. same yeah. energy <laughs> around that lot. It was like, well, we don't yeah. want you to do anything with the lot. 
but we're not going to do anything with it either. And it's just like, okay, well, what is the point of this lot sitting here? It was, I mean, but it was perfect for a community garden. We even canvassed the neighborhood and talk to the people yeah. in the community to see if they would like it. And like one couple was like, oh my God, we've wanted to like grow our own stuff. And it's just a great source of food equality for that neighborhood. Cause I think yeah. there was no grocery stores there. And so for you to like really showcase like the energy around the urban garden community there was like, yes, thank you. Because somebody Aww. else sees Philadelphia the way I see it. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a fourth video. There's like a wrap up that I never published. So I'll just send you the link to that so you can see how it all ends, how it all wraps up. <laughs> I never put it on YouTube. Oh man, I'm but like, I, yeah, I did watch it again. I'm like, well, what happens now? I don't have any closure. What are we supposed to do? Uh, but I did watch like your travel stuff as well, really early on, and I was just like, okay, it, you know. So like, some people have always been on my radar because it's just like they're doing the work that I eventually want to do in the way I want to mm-hmm. do it, like the way I want to see it executed. And even like knowing yourself, okay, that was kind of like remedial work for what I do now. Like the things I'm aspiring to now are so much further past that. But the fact that it's in the world at this point, and I'm just like, did you have any plans to kind of revisit the travel content or like mixing the two together now with like the travel and food blend that you see a lot that people aren't very great at, unfortunately? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, like, I'm still really passionate about travel. And I think just like you were talking about, like, showing the beauty of Black culture, like, all over the world, it is there in abundance. Everything that we do is just as beautiful and amazing as, like, what's being shown on TV and on the internet. But we just aren't always the ones behind the camera or the ones telling the story. And I think that a lot of people now are beginning to do that. I'm excited to see what the space looks like, because I think, especially in food, especially in, you know, with black food folks and all of the amazing people like in that community, I think a lot of people are like, okay, it's up to us to tell our own stories, whether it's in the written word or visually. And so I'm excited to kind of be a part of that because I think, we have to tell our own stories. Like we're all we've got. And so, yeah, I'm definitely excited to create more content on food, on travel, just showcasing the community and the diaspora. Nice. Are there any specific stories from your own personal experience, like how you grew up or the food you ate or the people that are related to you? Like, are there any stories you want to tell about them in the future that you had some ideas about that you could at least, yeah, I mean, give us a little bit of, oh. <laughs> like, is there any, any secret thoughts about those that you were just sitting on? Well, I don't know. I think, you know, both of my parents are Jamaican. And I think that even though we still have family there, there's still a lot more. I would love to learn about the types of foods my parents ate growing up and what their parents ate growing up and those culinary stories of those generations, I think that would be really cool. But as far as like my immediate family, my mom like hated cooking growing up. And so like, she, it's so funny because she's always amazed by how much I love food because she like hates it. She's literally said if there was a pill that she could eat in the beginning of the day that would give her all the nutrients that she needed for the day, she would prefer that wow. than eating. And I'm like, who says that? Who like says that, is, that mom? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny. But my grandmother, my mom's mom and my dad's mom too. But, you know, of course they love to cook. And and so I just skipped that, skipped her in the generation. But, (laughs) and she won't be mad at me saying this. She like like, totally knows it. She like, yeah. (laughs) And in fact, now she's like cooking more and she'll be like, oh, Kalisa, I learned this from you. Oh, Kalisa, I did this thing that you told me about. And I'm like, okay, cool, mom. Like, good job. Get it. (laughs) 
I, I remember she, she cooked a lot when I was younger. And then there was this moment of like absolute cutoff. It was like, you're tall enough to reach the stove. Go exactly. get the groceries. If you're hungry, then yeah. that's on you. And you're just like, oh, okay. Because even now there's certain recipes I try to get from her. And I'm like, mom, what about this one recipe you used to make when we were kids? And she's like, I don't remember any of that. I'm like, what is happening with your life right now? Why don't you remember feeding us at all? I don't understand. And so everything that I've done, she's like, yeah, because I, I've done these projects over time that just challenged that I wanted to like take on the challenge. So I wrote like a cookbook mm-hmm. a while ago, like a oh, very long time ago, because I was working at the farmer's market in Nashville. I was like a resident chef there. And mm-hmm. I wanted to produce a cookbook around a lot of the demos I was doing, a lot of the classes I was teaching, which is like how to cook in season. Most people just don't know how to do it. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm gonna do a little cookbook because people used to ask for recipes. And so I went all in. I didn't understand like the process of like recipe testing at the time. And so I Mm -hmm. worked on that. And then I tried to put something together. So it was like simultaneously trying to figure out how to put a book together for the first time, as well as a cookbook. Wow! I got it out there in the world. I had a friend edit it. I thought it was just fine. And it was just like, you know what? I got through that experiment and it was great. And I learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'll revisit it. Sits on Amazon, just living its best life. Oh, and so cool. <laughs> and I don't tell Send me the about link. It. I want to get it. I'm like, yeah. Like, why did I know about this? I, was like, I tell people, I'm like, I did not promote it very much because I'm just like, y'all, if I had to do all over again, there's a ton of things I've learned over time now, like mm-hmm. having been at like America's Test Kitchen and helping other mm-hmm. people with cookbooks and like shooting food and with the camera. And so I'm like, that book will look so different right now. But I tell people, like, I won't pull it down because it's something I'm proud of that I did because yeah. it was like, I didn't know what it was like to put a cookbook out there. And I just had the audacity mm-hmm. to just think I could. And so, yeah, I mean, I some of the recipes are great. Some of them are not. And I just told people, if you bought it, it's because you love me. And so, well, so, yeah, so I want it. <laughs> I will send you a link to your email. <laughs> You sent me that last video you shot about Philly, and I will send you the picture. Um, okay, you sound like a deal. I just think I think if we could take more risks, and again, like uh, back to your content, and just back to like your level of audacity. It was so mm. refreshing to like see a person who looked like me and you have no idea like how much you do look like me. Okay, awesome. And I was just like, she's just audacious enough to go, I can put this out in the world. And like, there's a sense of authority about what you know behind it. It wasn't like you were guessing. You knew what you were doing. Like it obviously showed and it was not that kind of tentative. Like, I see a lot of people who do cooking videos now and it's like, because they learned the mm-hmm. skill. Oh, I learned everything about polenta and now I'm going to do four videos about it. And you're like, okay, well, that's awesome. Right. I'm excited for you, but wow, no. And so like watching your videos, you just were like, you were comfortable in the kitchen. You moved around really easily, like gracefully. And you knew what you were saying. You knew what you were talking about. You knew like, hey, if you follow what I'm telling you, and you execute this the way I'm explaining it to you, you should get a good result. You have no idea how much that did for me. I was just like, okay. So like black women can really be out here doing like fun and elegant. Mm. Wasn't that normal kind of what I call like the Negro spiritual style like content where everything is kind of based in like pain and suffering and a lesson and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Your work was like what I want for 
most black people to produce, which is like, no, we live, we live, we laugh, we enjoy things. We love food. We love spending time with each other. And we rarely see that side of ourselves reflected back on the screen. And so like your content was always just like professional grade cooking, professional grade, like mixology and, and travel, but it was delivered in like the most elegant and fun and bright way. And so I'm like, oh. thank you. Like, it's oh, just like, no, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know if that was intentional. And like, if, it's, if that's just how you lived your life. Cause like one of my favorite questions to ask guests right now is how does your work reflect who you are? And for you, like, I feel like it's a, pretty obvious. I mean, I don't know if maybe you're just a hell of an actress and you're just like, yep, I'm pretending to be happy. And that's awesome that it's working. Or if this really comes from such an authentic place, like whatever is coming across on screen, I'm just like, this person seems like they have found these things in their life that they really enjoy and they're sharing them with the rest of us. And so like it did so much for me. And I think it's one of the big reasons why I was constantly like sharing your videos. I was just like, get on this Aww. YouTube channel. You've never seen anything like this. <laughs> like, okay. Like, no, how many black women do you get to see on screen just really enjoying these particular aspects of life without them seeming like drudgery or like there's no like civil rights motivation behind it? It's just like, no, this is how I live life. This is what I enjoy. This is what I've eaten. And I want other people to experience it. So, yeah, I just thank you. And I'm I'm excited about what you're doing in the future, whatever that looks like at this point. I think I can trust it now. Uh, but like some people in prayer, I, you know, I don't know what they're about to do and I can't trust that they're going to do something well. But I know like whatever you produce will definitely be like authentic and genuine and will come from a very real place. And so like sticking to that formula will always work. And so, yeah. So now that I've done, I'm done, now I'm done gushing. And I know like there's limited <laughs> amounts of information you can give us about future work. So like we can jump ahead like 10 years then. Like, do you have any super large aspirations for this? Like your own channel, your own station, your own, like, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I actually do have some long-term goals. It's like kind of a secret because it's like one of those things where, I don't know, it just sounds so lofty, but... Um, <laughs> But it's all about putting it out there. And I think, yeah. Oh, and I can't believe I'm about to tell you this. And it's like going to be on the internet. <laughs> I'm just but, saying, it's um, all good if you don't want to. And I'm so excited about this right now. <laughs> well, okay. I'll just keep it very general. And so basically, I love food. Like you said, I'm glad it, it shows on camera. But food makes me happy. I think food information, like obviously information is power. And I think that especially about food, a lot of us, we receive information from the news, from like different public figures just giving us their opinions. And I think a lot of times people don't always have the information in order to make their own decisions about food in general. And so I think that I... I'm hoping to kind of reimagine what like a food network could look like. I grew up watching Food Network, now Cooking Channel and whatever else it is. And I think what it started out as and what it is now is a very different thing. And what I imagine and what I would want to create in the future would be a network that has different types of series on it that talk about all different aspects of food. And kind of like I mentioned at the top of our conversation, not just about recipes, but about food culture, about food politics, about agriculture, farming, gardening, about all of these other elements about the food industry that will really give people not only entertainment, but information. You know, a lot of times when you shop at the grocery store, like, do you know how to read a nutrition label? Like who actually makes a nutrition label? 
just all of these things that will not only inform our decisions, anything from like how to shop for produce to how to pick a bottle of wine to just understanding where that wine was grown and what went into making it taste as it does, like the scientific components to it. So my long-term vision is not just creating content of my own, but creating like a network of content producers that via video format will be able to touch on all of these topics in a way that is fun and informative, but is like a different type of food network, not just silly game shows and things like that, where you, I feel like you can watch food TV right now, watch a whole episode of something and like, you wouldn't have learned anything. You might've watched them make 10 things, but like would you have any of those quote unquote wacky ingredients at home or would you have any of those, I don't know, far flung ingredients that you wouldn't be able to find in your neighborhood grocery store. So I think what I'm imagining is kind of a different set of topics uh, related to food in a entertaining, informative video content platform. Oh, so that's it. a lot of words. I don't no, know if that makes sense. There's an idea I've been sitting on for a few years. It's adjacent to that. And I've just barely started talking about it and saying it out loud myself. So I yeah. understand definitely like holding it very close because you're just like, okay, this is mm-hmm. really, really big. This is really big. <laughs> um, I, have har- I have large intentions over here. And to say it out loud, like it's a bit daunting to just kind of speak it and, and yeah. put it into the, to the universe. So with the last few minutes we've got here. How can we support you? I know that you are in the middle of like retooling some things and working out some things. Mm -hmm. And so is there anything that we can do right now with what is out in the world at this point or just to kind of keep you in art like in good thoughts and send you good vibes? Even that for me is like a big enough of a request from people. But uh, yeah, so how can we find you on the socials and on the internet? And then how can we support you? Well, I would say Instagram is probably where I'm most active and you can find me at Kalisa Marie Eats, K-A-L-I-S-A Marie Eats. And then on my website, which is KalisaMarieEats.com, definitely sign up for the newsletter because any announcements and things about upcoming projects, I will be posting there as well. So those two website and Instagram, best way to keep up. Oh, and on YouTube, of course, I'm at Kalisa Marie Eats as well on YouTube. I highly recommend the YouTube guys. Just get in there. Now, do, you, do you blog at all? Are you like in a a writing space that we can like, even if it's like a little tidbit here and there? Well, I'm actually working on a new website now. The one that I have right now, com, is basically like the last page where you can find a little bit about me and what I'm working on. But in my new website that is under construction, it will have way more content. All my videos will live there, plus some long form like written pieces. So okay, awesome. stay tuned for that. Okay. All right. I love it. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I know yeah. when I started the podcast, I literally, your name was on the list of people. Like it was like, okay, I, I ever get to like pull this off a person I need to absolutely talk to is because I was just like, I don't know what she's doing out in the world or how she came to like this place, but I just absolutely need to know. And thank you again for like all the work you've done. And I'm so excited to see what you've got going on in the future. And then I'm definitely sure like between the two of us with both of these like very large aspirational ideas that we have at some point, Mm -hmm. we will probably cross paths with them both. 
you know, I definitely look forward to like hopefully producing some content with you one day. That would be really awesome. Even if we yeah. like give people a walking tour of South Jersey and make sure that oh they God, have I'll like custard and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a handful of things you can get in South Jersey you can't get anywhere else. And I'm like, a Panzerati is one and you're not going to find that outside of those borders. So don't think about it. But yeah, there's some very quirky things about living in South Jersey that kind of like I would love for other people to know about. I'm like, I know most people are don't subscribe to Scrapple. I absolutely love it, but you have to go to the diner in order to get it properly. So yeah. I miss you so much. But yeah, so I just definitely just appreciate you taking up all the space in the world that you can on behalf of myself. And I'm sure other people who like find your work just aspirational and fun. So yeah, I just, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. You've interviewed some incredible people. I'm excited to be in the mix of all that. I'm honored that you set this up. Thanks again. That's it for this week's episode and for season two. A big thanks to Kalisa Marie Martin for joining me and to you for listening in and for being a part of the Flyest Click in Podcasting. If you love these conversations, be sure to download, subscribe, comment, and share. You can get further connected with the Afros and Lives community by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and visiting our website and signing up for the newsletter at afrosandknives.com. We cannot do this work without the financial support of our Patreon community. So to become a patron, please visit patreon.com backslash Afros and Knives and pledge your monthly support. Next season is full of conversations with more incredible Black women. The first episode of season three premieres August 27th. That's a Friday. And there's so much in store. There's so much coming. An updated website, an updated logo, new merch in the store, and a Patreon-only video series called Part 2. So if you want to be a part of that, if you want to catch all of those videos and not miss a single conversation, be sure to go visit the Patreon page and become a patron. So until then, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you be at peace.